Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. And welcome in to the DMVR Draft Podcast presented by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in all the land. Use that code DNVR right now for some amazing offers for new users right as the football season's back. My guy, Justin Michael here. Um, how are you doing, Justin? I'm good, man. We got to have a, a fun night last night at DNVR. It was cool to hang out oh. with everybody. Yeah. College football was back. The backyard brawl was back, and it was an epic game, even though I had West Virginia, so kind of a heartbreaker, but yeah. <laughs> that's typical college football. That's that's all part of the experience is the highs and the lows, and uh, I'll, I'll lose a couple of, of bucks for a, a great rivalry game like that. I mean, it was just a lot of fun, and even Purdue-Penn State ended up being kind of a Mm-hmm. Kind of a fun clash down the stretch. So it was, it was just a good night of college football, hanging out with everybody. And it has me really excited because the uh, the new DNVR bar, it's not even 100% complete yet, and it's already epic. Yeah, it was just so nice all being together again. It was so nice just watching college football together. I love the old Big East rivalry. That was lots of fun. Low-key kind of got to see some pro prospects at quarterback with uh, Keaton Slovis, JT Daniels. Though maybe they prove not so much so. And I think us, you know, the NFL heads and the draft nerds can maybe get a little too caught up in the quality of the product. Uh, forget the quality of the product. Those kids can be so bad at football that it it just, oh, everything's so unpredictable. Like West Virginia's driving, that pass is perfect on the money, slips out of dude's hands, uh, pick six for Pitt, and just like open the whole game wide open. And that was that. Also, it feels like overseason. We were talking about this, but we should say it on air as well. It just feels like out of conference, hard to game plan for all the different roster moves every team's making. And uh, yeah, it's overseason, full blown. And so. just bad tackling. Defense has not been sharp in any of the games that I've watched so far. Yeah. Even teams that had really good defenses last year, like Oklahoma State, looked pretty rough. But we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Definitely overseason, and uh, as far as you know, the the product college football is is perfectly imperfect. It's what makes it so true. so exciting. I mean, yes, there are are drives where your eyes bleed a little bit because it's so bad, but that's that's how you get the the chaoticness and the crazy results, and you know, occasionally stuff like that happens in the NFL. But it's it's just a different experience altogether. You know yeah. what you're signing up for. Yes, some games are going to be Ohio State, Alabama, but most of them are just going to be chaotic and, and messy and and really exciting. And that's what what Thursday night was. It was a perfect slate to really lead us into this weekend, which you know, with the, all the all the local games kicking off and a couple of really fun top twenty five matchups. This is this is the best time of year. It really is so much fun. So we've got you know, I'm looking forward to this pod a lot. A little bit of a mix of previewing week one, getting some final preseason takes before we really can't 
call it the preseason anymore, even though we've already seen some entertaining games between week zero and a fun Thursday night slate. Then we've got more games today on Friday, um, but this is kind of our last chance to put our stamp on things before the season starts. Uh, Speaking of last chances, well, not so much, but there's always news in the college football world. Justin, playoff expansion talk? Playoffs? Playoffs? We're talking about the playoffs? Yeah, possibly, man. Um, According to Sports Illustrated, the board of managers who are uh, a group of college football representatives, Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson is a part of it. They put together, you know, the this proposal of an expanded 12-team playoff last year made a ton of sense, had auto qualifiers out of the P5, had a chance for the G5 to get in. That obviously got squashed. Uh, the Pac-12 and the ACC did their alliance, which lasted all of about two weeks. It was like a high school relationship. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I love you until the uh, the more handsome guy comes around the corner. Yeah, but now it sounds like the the possibility of an expanded playoff could come sooner. As it currently stands, the TV contract would go through 2025, so we couldn't have it until 2026. That was always kind of the big hurdle. Sounds like ESPN is open to the possibility of of essentially throwing that contract out and like renegotiating this. There's a possibility of more TV companies coming in. They might buy it from ESPN. It it could get really, really chaotic. What's cool, though, is as soon as 2024, we could get a 12-team playoff. If this were to happen now, it it would take a unanimous vote. This would all have to come together pretty quickly. But I think... As far as a lot of these leagues go, if you're the ACC, if you're the Pac-12, you're going to be much more open to this than you were a year ago after all yes. of this movement. Yes. So it could happen. We'll see. You know, everybody knows how we feel. We want more teams. It would be great for uh, this half of the country specifically. You know, the Pac-12, G5 mm-hmm. teams. You know, yep. like out of the out of the Mountain West and whatnot. Even the Big 12. But we'll see, man. I, I think it would be good for college football. Early on, I was kind of against it just because. I felt like the top four were just going to dominate, and that that still could happen, but let's make it more interesting. I've always been against it because I was really concerned it would dilute the regular season and the importance of the regular season. Uh, Newsflash, the the four-team playoff has already done that. Basically, mandatory conference finals um, have already done that. Uh, even though I've always said that the conference finals alone in the power five has basically already given us an eight to 10 team playoff. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the process anyways. Right. A lot of those become glorified. Like, yeah, you, you win, you get in, but we've seen like the sec. It hasn't really mattered. Uh, We've seen like late Clemson taking on Notre Dame where it's like, well, if Clemson wins this, they've both got one loss. They're both getting in. So, yeah, why not expand the playoffs? And I think you put it perfectly. It's kind of a lifeline to the teams that aren't in the Big Ten and Pac and, uh, I'm sorry, SEC, <laughs> which is kind of what we're all about right now is save college football. Don't just turn it into a second pro league and the, the best of the rest. Let's try to get some parity back. Let's try to get a little more excitement and a little more possibility for everyone around the country to have that magical season and be able to maybe compete for a championship for one of those illustrious big bulls, uh, New Year's Six type bulls. You know, I my hope is that college football can get back to that. We were talking about 
Kansas yesterday at the bar and how like, holy shit, 07, there was the border war, Mizzou, Kansas, both like playing for a chance at the BCS. Um, West Virginia had a chance at the Natty that year. Mm -hmm. Like it was true parody. South Florida was in the top three at one point. Boston College reached the top three. Granted, this was literally one of the weirdest years in history, but yes, yes, it was. But it, it it was possible and it made everything better. The postseason was better. You know, obviously that later on that year, we got Boise State, Oklahoma. And, you know, 15 years later, it, you know, it, it just feels like we've lost some of that magic as far as, you know, the, the, the little guy coming up. I know Cincinnati just made the playoffs, so that, that gives me a little bit of hope. But True. even that was somewhat fluky in a, you know, a regard. They, they just kind of had things play out their way. Yeah. We'll see. I just think this would be fun. I, I want to see more chaos. You know, I, I want to see teams like Utah have a more realistic path mm-hmm. to the playoff without having to be, you know, completely perfect. I just think we could get some really weird results. And ultimately, yeah. these other bowls, you know, out. I mean, the New Year's Six bowls have a little bit of, of appeal still, but you're getting guys sitting out of them anyways. So exactly. yep. why don't we just try and make this mean more? Yeah, kind of seems like it's at least one of the few solutions that might be actually addressing the issues we've had the last few years, which, hey, any any attempt to do that, I think we are all for. And um, these guys got NIL money, so it's not like, exactly. like obviously you're still risking, yeah. but you, you risk it every time you play football. So I just, I think we have a possibility to get a more competitive playoff structure altogether and just postseason for college football. Get everybody more engaged. Yep. And even the big conferences, if you're like the SEC, you're like, yeah, let's have a 12-team playoff because now we might get four or five teams in. Like, exactly. they're not going to be... Why would you be opposed to it? Right. And then all of a sudden, those conversations that kind of kill you every bowl season where it's like, oh, the SEC is four and five this bowl season. Like, now they'll actually try. Now we'll actually see. And who knows, man? I mean, not to get too in the weeds, but with the the revenue sharing that could come of this, the a, a larger TV deal, um, it'll still skew towards the big guys who are getting more teams into the playoffs. But again, more money should mean more parity and uh, you know just a little more talent for everyone. So let's hope. I it's promising. fingers crossed. Yeah. All right, before we get into week one, lots to cover with that. Some primetime matchups already, just preparing, um, you know, for the bets show you were on yesterday and preparing this big board we'll talk about in a second. There are already some primetime matchups. Excited about this. But this is really our final chance to put our stamp on some guys before the season starts. Top 10 big boards uh, going into the season. And, uh, yeah, why not? Just just bang it out. Give you some some draft takes before we start. Um, this draft won't be huge for the Broncos, but all that money to Russell Wilson means we gotta we gotta sharpen our scouting because you really you gotta, gotta go deeper. It just means yeah. you gotta watch even more football because you can't get away with just well. They might end up with Patrick Sertan. You know, yeah. they might end up with a top five quarterback. No, they might end up with you know a safety out of the Big Twelve or something because they're picking at twenty eight. So. We'll see, but I, I think it's going to be fun. Let's just go right into it. Give me your top three right right away. Just put you right off the... Who who stands out the most to you going into this season? I think it's kind of Will Anderson in a tier of his own. Consensus number one. Yep. Um, sure, he's not a quarterback, but positional value is right up there. And the dude's just, yikes. Like a beast, the beast of all beasts. 
Um, it'd be fun to rank him, Hutchinson, the Bosa brothers, uh, Chase Young, like those dominant Miles Garrett, those dominant edge rushers we've seen come out of college the last four or five years and where Will Anderson fits because uh, he definitely belongs in that tier for me. And then I'm going to go Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I like it. Very similar to me. I mean, Will Anderson, I just, in my notes, I put the freakiest player in college football. Like yep, he, he is just insane. I don't know how you block him. Yeah. I have Bryce Young too, as well. Both of us have him as QB one. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a back-to-back Heisman winner. I mean, it just, he's so complete. And then three, I struggled with this one. I had CJ Stroud four, but I went with miles Murphy to edge out of Clemson. Ooh. Um, like that. I think if it wasn't for for Anderson, Murphy would be getting that type of hype just because he's such a physical freak. Um, yeah. Really, really explosive. I think he could be pretty versatile. But um, yeah, I, I really leaned into positional value with this top 10 going in. A lot of edge, a lot of quarterbacks. I didn't have any tackles, which we'll, I'm curious if you'll have any. But Yep, yep. interesting tackle class for sure. Um, Murphy's power is something else, especially as, as young. Um, that whole Clemson front is going to be must watch this year for sure. That defense, like, I think it, it kind of got lost yes. in, in yes, the loop did. last year yes. because their offense was so bad. Yes, Justin. Their defense was statistically, and, and I'm not taking credit for this. I think I heard it on the Ryan Rosillo show. It was like just a little bit worse than that Georgia defense that everybody raved about all year, like two points more a game, a couple more yards. It, it, it was. Very, very impressive. Yeah, 100%. Well, you already hinted at your four. Give us your four, five, six then. Yeah, I got four CJ Stroud. Um, I think with the possibility of, you know, being two or three, if, if he can have that breakout year, him and, yeah. and Bryce Young are going to go toe to toe all year. Five, I've got Jalen Carter. Um, mm, I think yes. he's probably the most versatile defensive lineman in this class. He's a beast inside, but I think you could play him outside too because, like, while he has been a D tackle, he can also, I think, be an end. Um, and then six, I've got Jackson Smith Najiba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Just really, really freaky. Yeah. Doesn't have some of the drop problems that uh, Kayshawn Boutte has had over the years. Mm-hmm. But I, I understand the argument for people that have Boutte as one, especially when you watch that 2020 film. Yeah, for sure. Um, not that different from you. Jackson Smith Najiba four. Jalen Carter, five. Jalen Carter, crazy enough, was maybe the best defensive tackle on that Georgia front. Those other two guys were first-rounders. Um, and then I am going Keyshawn Butte. Um, the fluidity, the, you know, I can allow some drops if I see high-end uh, grabs being made that you have that ability to make some special catches. I've seen that by Butte. I believe last year, Ended the final eight games with um, over 900 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns on just 57 receptions. So, like, insane. Really interested to see if Brian Kelly helps or hurts his draft stock. Um, But there you go. Two wide receivers and a defensive tackle. And what I think is going to be the best defensive tackle class we have seen in several years. It's been many, many down years for that position. This year, that should be different. So I'm really excited. Jalen Carter, um, like, freak. Crazy, crazy talented. 
Um, I will say our guy Jordan Davis showing out for the Eagles, the guy we were all pretty high on, and then he slid in the draft, and we were like, well, maybe positional value, I don't know, but absolute beast. Sometimes I think these teams overthink it a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, the Eagles, I think, kind of got killed for drafting him top 15, you know? That was a surprise to many. Um, But yeah, like, just put on the tape. And it's really going to be how many plays can he play? You know, how many... And I get that, but if if those plays he's dominating, it's just like, you know, there's value in that. And then Kayshawn, I think we're calling him Bote, but I heard... I actually prepared on this. I heard him. I think he pronounces it Bodie. Bodie, okay. So, all right. Um, well, we want to give him the respect. So, Keyshawn Bodie. Absolutely. So, that's our top six. Give me seven, eight, nine. Ten was really hard for me. Yeah, it was. This, <laughs> this really, these last couple were kind of hard for me. Yeah. Um, seven, I went with Nolan Smith, the edge out of Georgia. I've seen him lower on on some people's lists, but I think his upside as a pass rusher is just insane. I also think he could be a true outside linebacker, so I think you just have some versatility there. there. He's just really explosive. I love him. Um, eight, I've got Kayshawn. You know, I kind of like Stingley. I think, like I said, you're kind of playing on the upside, and yep. yes, there have been some down moments, but Stingley seems to be killing it for Houston too, based on yep. all the reports. So, again, sometimes I think we overthink this. Great call. nine. Probably a surprise because I kind of uh, a couple weeks ago, Jake and Hank brought this up and I was like, he's not going to go that high, but I watched him more and I, I've come around on it. Notre Dame tight end, Michael Mayer. Um, I don't think he's actually going to be a top 10 pick. I just think it's so hard for a tight end. I know we had it happen with, with Pitts, but yeah, I mean, what a mismatch. Like this dude would have been an offensive tackle in the seventies. He's every bit of 6'5", like 260, yeah. and he runs fluid, and he's got great hands. He's not like an elite blocker, but he's got so much size, and he's willing to do it, so he'll be fine there. Yeah, I don't know. Guys like him and Bowers at Georgia are just, they're freaks, and I think that that position is becoming more and more valued in, in the modern offense, so yeah. maybe he does end up being another top 10 tight end. Yeah, he doesn't have those high-end traits as a Pitts, but God, the more you watch him, the more it's like, oh shit, this is a clean prospect. He checks mm-hmm. off a lot of boxes. He's kind of a set-and-forget dude. And yeah, we've been on that whole tight end revolution, how it's just common, it's common, it's common. It's that's the ultimate counter to those, you know, to these sub-package defenses. It just makes so much sense. You're going to put a small DB on the field, then we're going to throw this freak out there. Or have them block the shit out of you, yeah, yeah. and just box you out um, and be that um, be that safety blanket. Okay, love that we we kind of diverge a little more on these. I'm going um, seven. Brian Brees, a guy I've been really high on, maybe one of the most dominant freshmen I've ever seen. The Clemson defensive tackle uh, was injured most of last year, so he's not as high on some people's lists, but. This dude's just an absolute uh, like backfield wrecker. Um, I'm very intrigued. And as we've talked about, that Clemson front is like spectacular. Might actually be the most talented front this year ahead of teams like Bama or even Georgia, which is saying something. Then I was really torn, but I'm going back-to-back linebackers. They're basically um, 8A, 8B here instead of 8-9. But I'm going with our guy, Noah Sewell, who yes. 
you know, he's, he's big. He doesn't necessarily fit the modern NFL. If you just look at the scouting report on paper, but watch the tape, watch how fluid he is. Watch how well he moves, watch how explosive he is, not just downhill where he's really going to be a factor in blitzes and getting in the opposing backfields, but sideline to sideline, he's freaky for a guy who's 260 pounds plays with an edge bloodlines really safe and right neck and neck with him is Trenton Simpson. Not exactly Isaiah Simmons. Um, I think maybe to his benefit a bit more of just a pure off ball guy who's really fluid, really moves well, some real um, talent on third down, both in coverage and pass rush ability. So I'm pretty high on Trenton Simpson, the more I watch him. And then 10 was, So many names. You've already made some. Michael Meyer just misses the cut. Jordan Addison just misses the cut. You hinted at some offensive tackles. I'm not going to give any offensive tackles um, the the nod here. I was really torn between Miles Murphy, who you've mentioned already, and B. John Robinson, who's just got that dynamic skill. Um, I think was top 10 in rushing yards per game last year only played 10 games and really started to come around and I think has yet to be truly exploited for his full talents in the receiving game. Um, That's where he intrigues me in translating to the NFL is how dynamic can he be as a receiver? We've seen that. I mean, we just did our preseason fantasy show earlier in the week. Go check that out. Um, But so many of those running backs we're high on are explosive running backs who really can impact the passing game, can really be a mismatch, and Bijan has that sort of upside. We'll see if he is. I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't like go to the bank and place a bet for him to go top 10 at this point in the season. It's just like kind of a wide-open tier, and I'm giving Bijan the, the edge just slightly. And am I pronouncing that right, Justin? I think, yeah, I think so. Bijan Robinson. All right, all right. Good for me, good for me. Yeah, I struggled with 10. Um so many. I, I had Robinson in the thought, but I actually think Jameer Gibbs at Alabama might Ooh. might be running back one. Um, he's a freak. The Georgia Tech transfer. He is a freak, and he has everything that you just talked about as, in terms of versatility. But just like the way he hits the hole and his open field ability is just insane. It's a little bit smaller though, so I'm, I, I could see Bijan translating a little better. I actually went with Sewell as well. Originally, I had Jordan Addison because he just always gets open and catches yeah. everything. Like, yeah. I, I just, you can't really argue anything against him. He's not necessarily the most explosive guy. He's not quite as freaky as some of these other guys, but I just feel like he's a guy you could plug and play and he's going to get you 80 catches and uh-huh. 1,200 yards and 10 uh-huh. touchdowns. So I, I really like Addison, but for the same reason I went with Mayer, I just think Sewell is, he's insane. Like, the fact that guys can be this big and move that well it's doesn't seem possible, but no. he is the best linebacker. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch with no Devin Lloyd at Utah anymore. He's going to be my uh, my linebacker darling, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching him this year. And I really think he could play his way into the top 10. I do too. I think we're maybe too caught up in the like Levante um kind of off-ball linebackers, you know, kind of the the Tampa kind of guys that we saw yeah. a few years ago. And we forget that the NFL just having, like, super stout dudes who can also move like that 
is actually what the NFL wants. They don't, they don't care. They don't, they're not looking for small guys who move well. They're looking for guys who move well. It just so happens a lot of those guys are undersized. If instead you're also 260, sign me up. That's going to be what the NFL is all about. Um, and speaking of which, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, the odds for the number one pick, this surprised me, but I freaking love it, is um, the top linebackers per odds to go first to overall are Nolan Smith, your guy, tied neck and neck with Justin Flo, the, or- the other Oregon linebacker who yeah. we've barely seen in college because he's dealt with injuries. Um, but, you know, in making these odds, it's very clear that DraftKings is, uh, you know, dialing in on the guys with the higher upside. And what, Justin Flo, a guy I haven't seen on any draft rankings uh, because, yeah, we have yet to see him in college, but came in with incredible hype. Um, number one recruit in the country by some rankings and yeah, Hank was all over him. Yeah. Could have a massive season. And so watch out for him, but love that our rankings are mine are all skill position or front seven. So that's very, where the league's ending. Yeah. I mean, it's just, as can you look at the drafts? It, it kind of plays out that way, but I'm glad you brought up DraftKings because the wait's almost over, man. A new football season is here to Let's begin. Go. Get ready for your NFL Week 1 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a canvas offer. Bet $5 on any football game. Get 200 in free bets instantly. What's really cool is if you want more action for opening night, everyone, not just new customers, everyone can experience the thrill with the early win promotion Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. They don't even got to win. Just get up by a touchdown, you win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonuses issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms of DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Love that. Um, shouts to DraftKings, the presenting sponsor. They've got these awesome NFL NCAA football specials that Jake and I kind of dabbled in, I don't know, a few weeks back on the pod. I've got a few I want to throw your way, Justin, because I think these are so interesting and there are a few people in the world that I know that I could get into these with as much as I can with you. Let's Um, do it. These are just really fun. So most regular season wins, the caveat, of course, regular season wins, conference championships, uh, bowl games, and duh, in the NFL, it's much more clear cut. Um, Niners or USC? Oh, man. Yeah, well, If right? you're betting on the Niners, you're betting on Trey Lance, which is yes. just... Yes. I respect Shanahan. Um, tough NFC West. Yeah, it's just that division that has me hesitant. But, I mean, I, I think USC is the third best team in the Pac-12, too. I think Utah and Oregon are better, too. So that's... Right. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with USC... Uh, I'm going to give Lincoln Riley the respect. Um, Caleb Williams, you yeah. know. Caleb Williams, you know, Jordan Addison. But 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't think USC is gonna like kill it this year. That they've been kind of a popular playoff mm-hmm. pick. And I'm just like most Dilly? money of any team to win the natty. That's crazy to me. Isn't that insane? Obviously, there's a little like odds chasing, but when we say that, that's not like guys like you and me placing, I don't know, 20, 50, whatever. That's like sharps putting in big time money on USC and Seems risky. I mean, I I love Lincoln Lincoln Riley <laughs> Lincoln Riley's offense, but I don't know, man. We've just seen in these games, especially as the season goes on, like while the Pac-12 starters can hang, it's just the depth. You can't go four rounds with these other teams. So even if they made the playoff. I just don't see them getting out of the first round against a Clemson front or, you know, Alabama. We'll talk about our playoff picks at the end, but that's a fun bet. That's a fun proposition. I like that. Yeah. I mean, to win the natty, you're gambling on like Caleb Williams hitting like God mode and outplaying Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, like significantly. Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a risky one. Plus one Oh five though. USC Uh, shorter odds actually on the Niners side. Broncos are paired up with Utah for most regular season wins. The Broncos minus 185. And I don't know, as high as we are on Utah. And so it really comes down to, you know, I think both those lines are going to be set right at 10 and a half wins, nine and a half wins. So it's like, who gets to double digits? Who can maybe squeak out that 11th win? I'm pulling up Utah's schedule real quick because yes. I just want to see how they end. Yes, this is what we have to do as well. Um, All right, they open with Florida. Obviously, that's the big game. Then Southern yeah. Utah, San Diego State. San Diego State's a tough game, but at home, they should win. Yeah. I mean, if you're high on Utah the way we, we are. You're USC assuming. at home. At they do home have to go to Oregon, so that that's a tough yeah. one, November 19th. Um, in Eugene, and that defense has some dudes that can can go pound for pound. And you never know the Bo Nix experience. Like if Bo Nix exactly. is on one, um, that could be trouble. But that's still one L. Where are the other L's coming from? You know, it's. And I mean, if they survive the the swamp, yeah. And I think they beat USC at home. Oregon is really the only game I feel worried about the thing with the Broncos is I think 10 and a half is such a perfect line. Cause I do think they're a 10 win team. I don't know if they're an 11 win team. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go Utah. Wow. Plus plus one fifty. classic college guy here. Um, just because you're a Bama guy and you're going to be dialed in. This one was stupid, but fun jets or Auburn. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Just like I think the Jets. I think Auburn one twenty five. I love this because Auburn. I mean, they. I've never seen a situation as blank as Auburn, where it's just like we hate Harson. We're gonna fire him. We can't yet, uh, but it's coming. So I just I don't know how you win in that scenario. In the SEC West, especially. Fair enough. Um, And then Bills or Bama. Bills minus 175. You're essentially betting on Bama going undefeated in the regular season. And, you know, the Bills, what sucks is the AFC East. You just have some gimmies with the Jets. I guess the Dolphins might be better. Pats, we'll see. I don't know. 
This I'm is not a in on New England this year. I think they're. Mm-hmm. I like Mac Jones a lot, and I don't think he's the problem. But I just think that's a team that. Like Bam at <sighs> plus one forty five is tempting. You just worry like the Bills will like get to thirteen fourteen wins easy and not even give you a chance. Yeah, I think the Bills are a thirteen win team. So I, I'm I'm gonna go Buffalo. Although there's a big part of me that kind of wants to fade the Bills and just say it's yep. it's karma, you know, all the Matt Ariza situation. I I call BS that they didn't know about any of that. I knew that San Diego State players got accused of it a year ago. We just didn't know which players. And so the NFL is trying to tell me, oh, we didn't know. Fuck out of here. But um, Scouts are private investigators, first and foremost. We all know that. Come on. Some teams didn't even have him on their draft board. which he wasn't that, the first punter taken. But exactly. That was not based for that's not for on on field reasons. But the thing about uh in getting back to this real quick, just Bama, they have such a favorable schedule this year. They got AM at home. Yeah. They and gotta go to Texas, which could be kind of hard, and to Arkansas, but that's like their toughest ah, trips. Come on, easy peasy. So I, I do think Alabama is gonna run the I do too. If there was ever a slate. Well so, um and Jimbo made sure that Texas A&M game circled like a dumb. Thank ass. you. So, Thanks, yeah. Jimbo. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, man. I, I knew that would be a blast. So thank you for entertaining me on that one. <laughs> um, all right, man. Let's get into it. Week one, full-blownsies. It's here. Let's start with the Friday game. Let's start with that CU matchup against TCU. Do the buffs at least cover the spread? And um, you know, Terrence Lang, Quinton Johnson, there are some prospects in this game to be watching for sure. I like CU to cover at home on a Friday night. Yep. I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere, you know, probably 50,000-ish fans there. RK talked about yesterday, there was a streak at one point last year or the year before where it was like 60-something straight home dogs over a course of... Yeah. Of, on, course of a couple years covered at, at home night games. So I, I, I like the bus to cover. I, I think going for the, the money line is, is getting a little bit greedy. If you're a, if you're a CU supporter, and I think that's going to be tough just with the talent TCU has at, at the outside and all of the, the talent that you guys lost defensively in that secondary, I think, you know, they did a nice job of adding talent at linebacker, but, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time seeing CU stopping these TCU receivers all night long. Yeah. Speaking of talent, they lost as an unbiased guy who follows this stuff and like is tapped in. If Christian Gonzalez doesn't transfer to Oregon, is he being mocked in the first round as consistently as he is right now? No, if, if he, but he should have been. SCU. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. God, I hate that so much. Um, but yes, it's true. And then, we, we end our Friday with TCU at CU. We kind of start our Saturday with uh, Rammies taking on Michigan. You've obviously talked about this at nauseum, but, uh, you know, give us a pick. Who are the prospects to watch? I'm sure you've kind of dialed. I mean, obviously you're dialed as anyone on the Rams, but um, anyone that's caught your eye on the Michigan side that we should start doing some early draft prep on here. Yeah, I mean, Mazzy Smith, the defensive tackle, is a freak. Um, I'm not 100% he's draft eligible. I believe he is. Um, with Michigan, it's it's just kind of a lot of unproven guys at this point. It's going to be a lot of rotational members. It, it's very similar situation to what we saw with Oklahoma State, where you're trying to replace 
eight guys of what was a really vaunted defense. And as we saw with Oklahoma State against Central Michigan, that can be a tough challenge. Um, Great point. Real quick. I don't want to talk too much about that game since we're talking about Saturday, but uh, Central Michigan will win the MAC. I I don't know why they weren't a more popular pick. They've they've got a returning quarterback and running back combo in uh, Lou Nichols, and I'm trying to blank on the quarterback's name. I'm sorry, but he was awesome last night. Four touchdowns. Daniel Richardson. Sorry, guys. With that combination, and this is a CSU reference that not everyone will understand from the draft pod audience, but it's essentially like if Garrett Grayson and Capri Bibbs would have been together in 2014 instead of having Bibbs in 2013 and Grayson in 2014. Their offense is electric. Um, they had this receiver, uh, Jalen McGoy, who had like six catches for 120 yards, a pair of touchdowns, contested catch in the corner of the end zone, another one where he just ran through the DB. They're, they're really dangerous. So look out for Central Michigan. Getting back on track, though, going all the way oh, back Broncos. to Michigan yes. against CSU. Um, not a ton of, of draft-eligible guys on CSU that you're really going to be looking out for, at least early on in the season. We'll see, like, Daquan Jackson, that linebacker, is a guy who I think could, you know, play his way onto some boards with a good year. At edge, uh, they added CJ Onyeki, a Rutgers transfer, who looks the part, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. Mohamed Kamara, I think, has, has a nice NFL future. But with Michigan, you know, I, I'm just kind of really curious what the what the quarterback situation looks like, you know, is is McNamara going to hold on to it, or uh-huh. should they go with the more dynamic athlete in JJ McCarthy? Michigan uh, throw in some disrespect CSU's way uh, with the way that they're treating this quarterback scenario. In my opinion, with you know, we'll have a quarterback play game one and then a different one week two. This isn't preseason; yeah. these games count. Um, I get it, you know, I get it. You're the Big Ten team playing a Mountain West team, but. I'm hoping the uh, the karma angle comes around, but I do like the Rams to cover. Yeah, I was asking you yesterday at the bar, um, what was the margin the two teams, the two times CSU played um, Bama, right? Uh, within the last 10 years, and it was 17 both times. Yeah, it was, they've been competitive in a lot of these P5 games. They hung against Iowa. They beat Arkansas at home. They should have beat them on the road too. If Colin Hill doesn't tear his ACL, the offense is fucking rolling at that point. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just tough. It's, it's the depth thing, you know, can you usually you get smothered after a while, but you know, just hang around. Don't beat yourself, you know, win the, win the special teams battle. You're going to have to punt well and, you know, flip the field, all that type of stuff. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's a fun opportunity for a, for a, relatively unproven inexperienced team to potentially build a lot of confidence. And if you get beaten down, I don't really think it impacts you that much because it's just like, well, Michigan's really good. Right. Right. Um, Mazzy Smith senior. So definitely a name to watch uh, for our draft Knicks out there. Yeah, Love yeah, that. Yeah. Great call. Um, let's get into the nitty gritty though. These top 25 matchups that we got. We've talked about prospects from both Oregon and Georgia in segment one, talking about our big boards. We get that head-to-head matchup. Um, Oregon's new coach, of course, coming from that Georgia staff. Um, We'll see how talented Georgia remains on defense. Obviously, they still have a lot of studs. You mentioned Nolan Smith. We both mentioned Jalen Carter. Eric Gilbert is a tight end on a lot of draft um, big Mm -hmm. boards. So he's not even the best tight end 
on that team. Say what you will about Sam Bennett, but as far as college quarterbacks go, dude has a lot of talent. Um, Keely Ringo, uh, yeah, I got the the first name right. I'm maybe not the biggest fan of his game, but the upside there had a big playoff run. He's being ranked as a top cornerback um, coming into the draft by some. And Christian Gonzalez on the other side being ranked as a top cornerback by some. So we might be seeing the two top cornerbacks of this class, plus Noah Sewell, plus Justin Flo, plus the Bo Nix experience. Georgia's going to have more studs at running back. I mean, this is really a primetime matchup. I'm going to say, what would you set the over-under as? Before late April 2023, how many times we rewatch cutups from this game? Set it at six and a half, Justin. You I was going to say north of five. So yeah, I, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one, man. Yep. Um, on paper, I mean, you know, Georgia, yeah, probably leaning, especially in Atlanta. I know it's technically a neutral site, but they're playing in yeah, Georgia, so don't give me that. Yeah. Um, I just have a hard time seeing a team lose 15 players to the NFL and not having that make any impact at all. Like, I, I, I do think they are loaded. I don't know. I just, I, I can see loaded. a scenario in which this Georgia team comes in, even though a lot of these guys weren't the key members of the national title team, but just thinking, you know, like, hey, we already won a title. You know, we're going to roll this Pac 12 team. And you've got a Georgia or an Oregon team that, at least defensively, should be able to kind of play with that, mm-hmm. you know, physical approach that the SEC does. Yep. I, I think this could be a little bit closer than people expect, but Bo Nix is just such a wild card. What Bo Nix am I going to get? If Oregon is going to have a chance, I think it's going to have to be him running around, improvising, just kind of playing backyard football. And that's a really hard way to sustain. But mm-hmm. if, he, if he could do it, I mean, there's, there's nobody flukier than Bo Nix, so it, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, and I mean, as a freshman, played Georgia tough, not so much as a sophomore and junior. So, yeah, it really is. We'll see what Bo Nix we get. As much as we said it's over season, is this one of the few games where the under 54 might actually be intriguing? Yeah, I like these defenses, but I worry about the run game. Bro, I know. It just feels like even in the SEC, most games are going 25 plus at this point. It's like a low scoring game is low 20s and a high scoring game is high 30s. At this, everything is yeah. impacted by like 10 points. Yeah, I don't, I don't. <sighs> yeah, I like these defenses enough. I think it's the play. And I, I'm not, I don't love either of these quarterbacks enough to feel like mm-hmm. awful about it, but. Yeah, it's a tough one, but um, yeah, that might just be a, a stay away. Really interested to see what um, Kenny McIntosh, Georgia's latest running back, is going to be able to do in more of a full-time role. But that is going to be an outstanding matchup. The other like true um, blockbuster matchup is Notre Dame-Ohio State. Of course, we talked about prospects. Um, in both these, before I get your prediction and more of a well-rounded breakdown from you, Justin, the matchup to watch in this one is, um, Isaiah Foskey, the explosive edge rusher for Notre Dame going against Paris Johnson Jr., who has gone from right guard to left tackle for Ohio state, massive upside, um, lined up to be the top offensive tackle 
in this draft class, but we got to see him full time at left tackle. And this test against a guy like Foskey is going to be as tough a test as any. Um, this is another one where the dog, the Irish 17 point dog. Um, how do you see this all breaking down? I like Ohio state in this one. I just don't think that Notre Dame is going to have the horses offensively yeah. for four quarters to, to match this Ohio state team. I, I don't think it's going to be a scenario in which like Ohio state wins by 40 or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I do think they cover the 17 and I would even flirt with maybe buying a point or two and trying to get, get you know, 18 and a half, 19, just to get it at plus money if yeah. you can. Um, but I don't know. Notre Dame, I just, you know, what, what are you going to bring offensively outside of Mayer? You know, can, can you run the ball as, as effectively as you had the last couple of years against this defense? I don't know. Ohio State shouldn't be like overwhelming or any, by any means, but mm-hmm. I just worry that the, the gap at the skill positions in particular is, is too significant. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Ohio State coming into the season, uh, preseason-wise, this is as stacked an offense as we've seen in a while, man. Um, I've seen, like, Joe Burrow-LSU comparisons and stuff like that, which... But Burrow, no one thought of Burrow coming into that season as that talented. No, not at all. You know, he was just kind of a guy who's, yeah, he's a pretty good quarterback, mm-hmm. makes some big throws. You know, he's fun to watch, has some swagger. But yeah. he he elevated in a way that I don't really remember seeing in, in a couple of years. And oh. what was cool was it wasn't a fluke. Like, he went into the league and he was that dude. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly... Eh. You know, I want to go all the way back to like Matt Line or Reggie Bush. I, yeah. I don't think we have to go back that far, but I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, Baker Mayfield had a pretty big senior jump, but he, he still had a lot of hype. He had more hype than Burrow, I would say, just yeah. because of that Lincoln Riley offense. For sure. Um, but that offense is stacked and it's just there, there are a lot of unknowns with Notre Dame. So, mm. I'm actually kind of torn. This might be one of my few stayaways. Um, we've hinted at it already, though, in the the NFL, NCAA football uh, prop cro- crossover. We've got Utah taking on Florida. Top prospects here, probably Clark Phillips, the third, the cornerback for Utah. And, uh, you know, there is some front seven talent on this Georgia team after a really disappointing year. The top guy is going to be the D-tackle, Jervin Dexter Sr. in a loaded defensive tackle class. I'm going to say that for a while. And then Brenton Cox, the edge rusher, who I feel like he's one of those guys that feels like, oh, Brenton Cox is still available. We've been talking about him for 20 years, but indeed he is. Um, We've leaned heavy on Utah, but now it's kind of time to put our nutsack on the table for lack of better words, because going to the swamp is no easy task. And if Utah's really going to prove that they're no longer that scrappy Utah team, which we're all like, man, crazy that they're actually a PAC 12 contender to actually being like, Hey, we're here that we are those dudes year in year out. Um, You got to go do it in the swamp. They are just a three point favorite. 
How do you see that one? All of the atmosphere conditions work against Utah in this one. The, you know, the swamp's going to be rocking. Billy Napier's debut, so the fans are going to show out for him. Yep. It's supposed to be insanely humid. Like, I, I think at times we can blow stuff like that out, out of proportion, but just in comparison, CSU went down to Tuscaloosa twice. They also went down to the swamp. Tuscaloosa was hot as hell. I had to change my clothes before the game. Florida was a game that I didn't travel to, but just speaking with the people that were there and watching it, it was like 100 degrees over 120 on the field with 99% humidity. And it was an early September game like this. At least it's a 5 p.m. kickoff and not a 1 p.m. I think like the CSU Florida game was, but you could just see on the sideline that CSU was not used to it. And it wasn't because they were getting beat up physically. It was just so different. And from Utah, I mean, it's, it's a big difference. It really is. That said, I just think Utah is the tougher, more physical team. I think they're well-coached as much as Whittingham can rub me the wrong way. And I don't buy into Anthony Richardson as like the, the savior of Florida's offense. I just don't see it. Yes, he can run around. He can scramble. He can make some plays. But I think Utah is going to put him in a position where they get after him. I think he'll force some things. And I just think Utah's the, the better team. I'm with you, man. It, it feels sketchy. And Anthony Richardson, big name to watch for the draft. But it's uh, I'm going to stay with old reliable. And if college football, college football's fine by me. You know, it, it can happen. Yeah, but whatever. You, you just got to kind of stick to your guns. Um, only other one I'd close out with, and then I, I leave the floor to you, is Arkansas taking on Cincinnati. Jalen Catalan, kind of a surprise he didn't declare last year the talented safety out of Arkansas. There are some guys for Cincy to keep an eye on, but it's kind of like we got to really see what these guys are all about. I mean, they lost a ton of talent, not just last year, but the last two years. Um, people are excited about Ben Bryant at quarterback, though. Um, for Cincy, Josh Weil at tight end. In fact, the Josh Weil Catalan matchup's going to kind of be fun. And, you know, Fickle knows what he's doing on defense. So um, I actually don't even have the line handy. Is it Arkansas by six and a half at home? Is that what you're finding? Pull it up real quick. Yes, it's up to seven now. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, how do you see this? Cincinnati with the playoff hangover. Uh, I'm I'm in on Arkansas on this one. Uh, I like KJ Jefferson a lot. I think he's one of the... I, I don't know if I see him as like an NFL quarterback, but I do oh. think he fits perfectly into what they want to do. We're going to stretch the field. He can run around, big bodies, hard to bring down. And Arkansas was tough last year. They played everybody hard. They did, yes. And, and I just think that Cincinnati... Trying to go on the road in in these conditions without you know Desmond Ritter, without all the guys that they lost on the defensive side, that's just a really really tall task. Um, respect the hell out of Fickle, one of the best coaches in the country, but I just think this is a, t- a tall task. I don't think they're going to get rolled. You know, I don't think it's going to be like a SEC G five game where it's you know fifty to fourteen or something like that. Since he just gets completely embarrassed, but. I- Arkansas can cover a touchdown at home. 
I know that line kind of worries me, but yeah, you just got to kind of six and a half a lot better than seven. I'll say that it is maybe, maybe go, go by that half point, you know, you won't regret it, but I'm going with the home factor. Like again, this, this, we can't under, you know, in pro sports, I have as a better kind of started to lean away from like, man, home, home field really isn't that big of until a the playoffs where it's like I have to go to Lambeau right. in right. January or Foxborough or even Denver when it snows but like yes. the regular season doesn't mean a thing like they they're used to playing right. around people it's loud everywhere they're, whatever right it's more the like break and short weeks and stuff like that that might impact mm-hmm. it but like yeah the crowd sometimes the crowd just gets that road team up a little more I mean Nathan McKinnon saying the most nervous they were uh, during the Stanley Cup run was at home, game five, to close it out, you know, and the most comfortable they were was on the road. I, I think there is something to that, you know, where, like, expectations and having everyone against you kind of makes things a little easier. Um, college football, not so much. These are college kids who are being asked to do more than just play and be, be athletes. Um, and, you know, the, these – there are plenty of guys who are starting for the first time in a very hostile environment. And those men, those college fans can be ruthless and those stadiums are fucking big. Don't underestimate the size of these crowds and the size of these stadiums. Like these are this in the stands. It's big boy football, even if it's still like youngsters kind of. No, totally. I mean, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, I've, (laughs) I've been to AFC championship games. I've been to, you know, I've gone to Broncos games my whole life. It didn't feel like it felt like in, in Bryant Denny stadium. And that was a game in which Alabama knew they were going to win had zero hostility mm-hmm. towards. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you, I couldn't even imagine what it's like for Alabama, LSU, Alabama, Auburn. It's extremely high on my bucket list. I will make it down there for a, for an iron bowl at some point, but yeah, I just, it, it's easy to get lost in the moment. Like you yeah. said, it's hostile. Yeah. It's intense. You get the marching band. You know, everybody's watching you. These kids are more immature. You know, somebody might have girlfriend problems. Like all of these things, you can roll your eyes. But these are a factor. I talk to yeah, these guys. They're just human beings. Like, you know, they go through the same kids. shit you guys do. Yeah. And it's college. It's the most stressful time of their lives. All mixed up into like the the fact that they're trying to prove themselves on the football field. So it's just, it's a big moment, especially early on in the year. Home field big. It's why I'm so hesitant on Utah, despite the fact that I think they're a way better team. I I mean, I think your point about the humidity is huge. Like just think of anytime you go from Colorado to, you know, the, the Northeast or the Southeast to, to visit family or something that humidity is like, Holy shit. I didn't didn't realize. Yeah. And I mean, your lung capacity might be better, but it's like, it's, there's no relief from it. There's no like getting in the, getting in the shade and getting a break from that hot high altitude sun. And And you're just wet. Right. The whole time it's damp and sweaty and, you know, as you get tired and, you know, got those Florida fans screaming at you, it can it can break you after a while, especially if, you know, that Florida defense is able to make things hard on, on Utah and, you know, stop the run game. If Utah gets the run game going, good night. But yeah. if, you know, Florida can make it interesting, you just got to keep it tight. You know, don't go down early. That's big. That's what we've seen with a lot of these teams. Central Michigan went down early and they responded, but 
most of the time, especially in these early games. And it's the same thing I'm looking out for for, for CSU. If CSU is going to cover, you can't go down 21-0 in the first quarter. It's just... 100%. Yeah, you get shell-shocked. 100%. Um, man, it's here. College football season, so hyped. Follow Justin's stuff at DMVR Rams. Just been killing it this offseason. Really excited for the Jay Norvell era and this primetime matchup at the big house to start the year. Jake, of course. Yeah, go ahead. Before we go, real quick, we're just going to rapid fire. We're not going to debate it. We're not going to... Who makes the playoff? Who's your four teams? Oh, yeah. Start us off. I'm going Alabama, Ohio State, Chalk, yep. uh, Clemson. I think they respond and win the ACC. Their schedule oh. is really favorable. Interesting. Obviously, they need much more out of the their offense. And if it's not Ugalele, I think they move on fairly early in the season because they are good enough everywhere else to, to be competitive. And then I've got Georgia. I, I wanted to get cute and, and go Utah. I thought about, you know, somebody in the, the Big 12. I think Kansas State's going to win the Big 12, though, and I don't think they're going to run the table. So I just I don't think they're going to have the resume. So I, I went Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, which is the chalkiest of chalk when it comes to this. But I just don't see a lot of teams. I mean, there's some A&M love, but how is A&M going to get in if they lose to Alabama? And then you can't win SEC, so they don't have a shot. Yeah, and a proven quarterback deal. Like, I, I just don't think the talent's there this year. You know, with the NIL stuff they're doing, um, given they're recruiting well, they're you know, AM's yeah. legit, and Jimbo's a great coach. We saw yes. what he did at Florida State, yes. but there's still a, a leg below those other schools at the moment. Agreed. Um, yeah, Bama, Ohio State, it's chalk, we hate it, but it's the way to go, and kind of Georgia, too. Like, Georgia is what people think Texas AM could be. Kirby's built that thing, and look, I'm a, I'm as much a Sam Bennett hater as anyone. But I do like him better than some of these, you know, who is the Notre Dame guy, Ian? Ian Book. Ian Book, you know, guys like that that I've hated on over the years. Sam Bennett falls in that category, but to some extent I trust Sam Bennett more than I did those other guys. The defense is still going to be stacked. There's some offensive talent. I'm going Georgia. and then Easy I will... schedule, too. Exactly. Um, yeah, the East is kind of very winnable. So they have two preseason top twenty-five teams on their schedule. One of them is Oregon. The other is Kentucky. They don't. They get Florida in a neutral site. They Auburn at home. Tennessee at home. Easy. At Kentucky is their hardest game of the season outside of Oregon. So it's just an, it's an easy path to the SEC title game. Right, and I mean, I even think a two-loss Georgia playing Bama tough in the SEC title might get you in above a lot of others. And I don't see a ton of one-loss teams on this slate. I think it's going to be really wide open. Um, and then give me Utah. If that's getting cute, yes. I'm happy to get cute. But you did the schedule breakdown for us. Like, Even if they lose to Oregon, they just got to take care of business in the Pac-12 um, title game, you know, if they beat USC. and um, They beat Oregon's they ass twice this year. Like, not like back-to-back weeks, punched them in the face, went back and did it even worse. You know they're not going to fear that trip at all, especially if they go into the swamp and win that game. They're just going to yeah. be playing confident all year. They're returning so much talent, man. They really didn't lose a ton of guys from last year. 
Um, they've been through a lot too. Like they had a couple of players pass away in the last couple right, of years and they've right. all been like rallying around that. Like that stuff's powerful, especially at this level when it's, you know, you're largely playing on emotion. Thousand percent. And I think they kind of fit. I mean, I think they could be semi frisky. Um, yeah, I mean, God, shit, I they, hope it happens. They played Ohio State really tough in that bowl game last year, like a rematch in the playoffs. I don't think that's like gimme necessarily. Um, so I'm hyped, man. Follow all of Justin's stuff. Jake was, I, he wanted to be on the pod. I was like, no, you got a game day. You got bigger stuff to worry about than doing the draft pod today. Follow all his stuff. Of course, game day against TCU, loving what he's doing at the Buffs. Check out all Hank's stuff with the Broncos. Um, and yeah, man, just a, a great time for us. Check out Dry on Bets. We got to, don't, don't get modest. You're killing it on Bets too. Fantasy you know, pop. We got, we got everything. This is our time of year. Broncos are going to be good. It's our time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, man, uh, just, just hyped to do this and excited to not talk preseason anymore and just really dig into the tape and, what all these guys are doing on a week to week basis. This, this pod this morning really got me exciting last, last night. I, I'm just, I'm just so hype. So um, I hope you guys are too. Best of luck on these week one bets. We will catch you next week.